0: Is this it? Is the webinar starting?
1: To build the world's best real-time data-driven online mortgage calculator, I got a memo. First of
0: all, I haven't seen you in six months. You just stuck your head into my office, so
1: I know I didn't expect this to land in my lap either.
0: But wait, can I can I say no? Microservices. We're not seeing oh. enough of them in the organization. You're back. Why are you back asking me about microservices? I don't have. It's not on the roadmap. I, I, we're going to do the monolith, and I, I don't. I can't do this. You need to put. Many little
1: micro means little services on this roadmap ASAP. Our beloved CEO has decided that 15 years is long enough to wait between online product catalog refreshes.
0: I know, but we were going to do that in 2022. I have this whole thing set up. I, I can't do that. I, I got to say no to this.
1: We have 60 different CMSs. Seems like a lot.
0: Oh, uh, but yeah, I know. But but again, we're not CMS is not the focus.
1: I right want now. one CMS to solve no, everything. Then you just have 61 CMSs. Why are you doing this to me? Everyone welcome to the Postlight podcast live. This is based on Catalyst, a white paper we just put out that we're going to tell you a little bit about soon. I am joined by Paul Ford, the CEO of Postlight. Say hi, Paul. Hi. Great. And I am Rich Ziotti, president of Postlight. Thank you all for joining us. I don't know how many participants there are. Cause Zoom is just a piece of shit. I'm just gonna say. No, it.
0: no, we're not. We're not gonna say it. We're just gonna live it.
1: So a bit of housekeeping, Paul. Um, so we're we're recording this live event. It will end up on YouTube soon. We might even put it on Daily Motion. I don't know yet. We're gonna talk it through.
0: Depends how how dirty it gets.
1: Postlight. Uh, we are both the co-founders of Post Light is just an amazing place. We're known for our events. We were really involved in the New York tech scene.
0: We used to throw parties. Where we would literally have to make people leave because it was getting to be too much.
1: It was just. It was just, It's great. We will be back there soon. Hopefully, hope everyone is well. Thank you for putting some time aside to join us here.
0: Yes. Once once we're all vaccinated, we're going to throw a rager.
1: My God. We're going to give out the ultimate Swag?
0: Shwa- That's true. And you're all going to get a, a laptop. Like just come to Postlight. That's how much we miss human beings. Tell the people about Postlight, Paul. Rich, I thought you would never ask. Postlight is a a strategy and services firm. If you don't know us, we are not the biggest company in the world, but we do a lot of very high impact work around product strategy and product delivery inside of very large, very complicated organizations. And the upside is that we know how to get software shipped inside of big things. You might call them bureaucracies. You might call them large matrixed orgs. Regardless, we have a lot of experience that we want to share. Yes.
1: And you are listening to an episode of the Light Podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're funny, we're smart, everything. It's just all in one package, Paul. This is based on a white paper that we put out recently. I, I wrote an early version of this that was dry and just soulless. And then Paul Ford gave it the words that only Paul Ford can give a white paper. It's not as thick as it shows in this image, but the wisdom is.
0: That's a little marketing magic there to make that stack of paper. Exactly. So
1: today, we're this is going to be the first, actually, in a four-part series. The catalyst of paper is actually broken up into four sections. And today, we're going to focus on defining and crafting your mission. So we started this off by kind of playing out these sort of tricky scenarios of people asking people to do stuff, and and the thing we want to kind of get across here is that software is not about code. Okay, yeah, software is made up of code, but software is not—successful software is as much about people as it is about code. That's really kind of what we're going to talk about today. The things that happen to the software development journey. That you can try to avoid, and hopefully you'll learn a few things and, and, and take some of our advice. And let's face it, you're not—you're probably not shipping a cool game. You're probably not listening to today's live webinar because you're shipping a game.
0: What is this game? You're into this game. You wanted to put this in here.
1: This is a cool game. This is a game called Moving Out, where you essentially—I think you're a dwarf, a lizard, a lizard—and you're just moving, you're moving furniture out of a house onto a truck. It's really fun. The physics are kind
0: of cool. It's a, it's good, right? It's it's fun, and and people love to make games, right? No, and the reason we're showing everyone this is because we're saying you're not doing this. This is really cool. But that's not what you're doing.
1: Exactly. And 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 all the fun aspects of making games. And the truth is a lot of the time, you know, your software efforts start off because of pain and because of trying to overcome where you've been in the past. So I want to talk shift now and talk about legacy. Paul, what do you think of when you think when you hear the word legacy?
0: I mean, obviously what I think of is incredibly pretentious black and white photographs of people who have nothing to do with our business.
1: That's a good starting point, that's fair.
0: No, but also what I, am sorry, it was just too easy. What I do think about is, I mean, you know, here you think about people who have contributed greatly to culture, this wonderful significance of amazing human effort by brilliant people who kind of are, were ahead of their time, right? And then there's our industry.
1: Then there's our version of legacy, right?
0: Right, that's a bad one. Things that are slow, bureaucratic, we have to get off PHP. Nobody ever says, let's get on to PHP.
1: <laughs> Which is not fair. The
0: one, the one to talk about is the one in the bottom right. Where It's slow and full of friction. Why is our software so bad when other people's software is so good?
1: Yes. And look, we appreciate legacy. Rotting software is is the lifeblood of PostLite in some right. ways, but it is part of the world. I mean, uh, software from the day it goes out starts to get stale. And look, it's not a great starting point, right? These are kind of negative sort of, they're, they're kind of complaints. I mean, they're it's pain, right? And it's pain not because they did it wrong the first time around. It's pain because software gets put out, it stays in somewhat of a static state as business moves, as things change in the world, and software has to keep up.
0: Are you able to see the live poll like I am now that we're doing webinars? It actually came up in front of my deck and threw me off it, for a second. It's Zoom, Zoom is enough. We should almost pause this entire thing and just talk about Zoom for the rest of it, but we're not going to do that. Let's, let's share the results. You can see everyone basically feels the same things about their legacy platform. Also, good commitment to that poll. Thank you, team. There's 93 of you and you got right in there. This is going incredibly well.
1: Paul, well, I, I have an obsession with weird robot graphics that try to emphasize that your
0: company knows technology. This is how when you go look at competitors, they love this. They love to put these terrible images.
1: It's the weirdest thing. I don't get it. Why would you create robotic fingers to enter data when you could just use the computer? to take the day, well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it's creepy and weird, but it's out there. And I'm bringing this up because I want us to talk about the term digital transformation. Mm.
0: That's just the worst couple of words in the world, right? Like,
1: Well, we went through a phase, and this is kind of our vibe, right? We kind of rejected it and mocked it, right? We tend to do that initially. And then I came to appreciate sort of what it represents. And what it represents is that you're taking a bigger step. You're taking a bigger leap. This is It's less about the patches and the fixes and the incremental improvements and more about becoming something very, very different, right? It's shedding what you are and embracing something more radical, right? I would even argue that the term is actually kind of inaccurate because really what it's talking about is you're asking a business that got very comfortable with old ways of doing things to do something radically different. Right. And I think that fundamentally is but, you know, business transformation, that word was used up like 50 years ago. So that's not the term we use here. This is our tagline on our website. And the tagline is really trying to emphasize that, you know, we want to work with you and we and and many people
0: are coping with this taking that big jump right? This is the world that we're in. People are doing these big, you know, the boss is sticking their head in the door and saying, time for some digital transformation, get ready. And you're going, but no, ah, ah. And so that's, that's a lot of the times when people pick up the phone and call us. They're like, yeah, I got it. I got to actually get this thing done. It's
1: exciting, though. I I think it's a great moment because that means you're going to be given the chance to do something transformative and not just incremental, right? Not just a little fix.
0: Well, one of these works, it's a career changer. Right. When you get when you get the reputation as the person who can ship the software, you're in a very good place. All right. So you've been given the money.
1: You've been given the team. You've been given the time. Let's do this. What could go wrong, Paul Ford? People who aren't part of the decision will show up later. Mm,
0: That's a special one. Right. That's just because if once they make that decision, once they say we're going to give you some budget, we're going to get, get it built now. Only now do people notice that it's happening and they need to get in there.
1: As you go, people try to jam more stuff in.
0: Boy, do they too. So this is like, what I keep referring to this is people from down the hall, which is not a very good pandemic metaphor, but people just start coming down the hall and going, hey, hey, you know, um, did you talk to accounting about your thing or or did, you know, did marketing weigh in yet?
1: This is a classic, right, which is you've been given the team, but here's the way I would put this. Business doesn't pause and stop while you're doing the big thing. So if your big thing is an eight-month project and it's going to change the game, the truth is things are still happening in the business and and they still want the best people, the people with knowledge and they're like, can I just borrow Sally and Jim for just three weeks? When a client lands, that's like the ace, right? Like you, you have a lot of power when a client lands and they want a thing in the middle of this transformational... Well, because
0: they're going to drive revenue and they're going to make the money short term and you're like eight months out from shipping, right? So that's a huge risk in your world.
1: And then there's just classic politics, right? Envy and greed and just the games that people play sometimes. This really kind of speaks to my own view of humanity, but we don't need to get into that.
0: But this is real. We see this out in the world. What happens is the people, the classic shitty people politics part, you can spend a lot of time really like thinking about the fights you're going to have and how you're going to protect teams. It's actually the well-meaning stuff from the top three that are your real risk. Because you can man, if people are going to be terrible and try to steal your team, you can actually manage that. Like terrible. is easier to manage than the the lots of little tiny cuts. Oh, you've drawn some circles on this.
1: Yeah, and, and this is just to emphasize, what we're not gonna talk about here is bad architecture or certain technology decisions that you're making. We're talking about people and what people can do to your effort, right? So what can you do about it? Well, here's the first and I would argue most important tip we can share today. Establish your North Star. Some call it a vision statement, a mission statement, a charter, is another term I've heard. What it does is it succinctly describes why your project even exists, its purpose in life. And let's give an example is the best way to illustrate it. Project Ripple will build connections between our global team members by making it easy for anyone in the company to engage anyone else based on their skills. People will find solutions faster. Here's a better example. What I did there was the first phrase was kind of wordy and a lot to take in. So I gave a better, an even better example. People will find solutions faster by finding each other faster. So why, what's the point of this, right? It's just a sentence. It doesn't really drive a team, but it actually does. What it does is it's you use it again and again. Over and say over, it yeah. over and over again because people are gonna bang away at your effort. And being able to test whatever they're talking about against this, this North Star is hugely valuable.
0: You know, the, the critical thing here too is that it's a product description. Not. It's not about a platform. It's not about a technology. You're not saying we're going to use, you know, SAP People Finder to increase synergies. You're saying it's just going to make it easier for people to find each other faster. And you can measure against that, actually, mentally and emotionally. You can figure out how you're doing.
1: It's hard to do. It's worth also noting. Getting it down to a few words is really hard work. It takes time to do that. Uh, so we've talked about this a bit. It or- orients your team around a clear direction and vision Communicate it out. Once you have it, let everyone know about it. Say it again and again. It also is hugely valuable in helping you react to changes, right? Does this fit into the mission? It's a constant amidst the inevitable choppy waters of software development. And it's worth noting here, our our contracts are by design, often deliverable based and actually kind of loose. And the reason they're loose is because we're acknowledging the fluidity of software development. And that is going to be real. Accept that. Communicate that and use that North Star. We even included a free code name generator in the middle of the catalyst download, Paul. Did you know
0: this? Uh, I did know this because I, I, I made it up at like 1 a.m. on a on a Saturday. The whole point of this is stop thinking about things like code names. Like just get the simplest possible mission statement, come up with a very simple code name and get going.
1: All right. So we know where to go. Now let's make some requirements happen. The meetings where you say, everyone, join us. We want your ideas about what the next generation thing is going to do. Right. And it's a big meeting. I've been in meetings with 15, 12 to 15 people all pelting you with not just what they want, but also the pain they go through today the struggles they have in parsing all of that. Like you got to take all of that in, right?
0: Well, and let's be clear, let me interrupt you. You are having that meeting. You won't survive if you don't have that meeting. You need the mission, you know, and you need to get everybody in a room and you need to say as little, you, you present your mission, You talk about your goals and then you say almost nothing and you just you perform writing it down and getting all of the requirements.
1: So once they all come in, you got to decide what to do next, right? And there's a matrix we like to use. We call it the value cost matrix and this is out there in the world. I've I've seen it named different things. And value means not is this valuable to the people who are asking for the thing. Is this valuable to the people who are going to use your product? So get inside the head of the people who are going to use it and decide if it's going to be meaningful for them. Cost doesn't just mean dollars. It means time. It means complexity as well as dollars, right? And the key here is to do the cheap, great stuff first. Seems obvious, but this exercise is useful. Prioritization exercise, really useful. And what do you punt to the end is the stuff that's really lofty expensive and its value is dubious right push that stuff away and this you know we don't say this in this slide but get stuff out fast sooner
0: you'll notice as you're listening to us right it's a lot of really abstract stuff but we've we've you've got an eight-month project that actually and now it might be a really big deal but you are incredibly vulnerable until you have shipped something because nobody knows what you're doing. So they're like, can I have their people? Can I have their budget? Are they doing a good job? I could probably do a better job. So you need to get artifacts in front of human beings so that they kind of let you go. Otherwise, they're gonna just be excited and interested uh, and wonder if if they could be doing it instead.
1: Right, like a caveman. Start with very basic words. Don't be fancy. I have a legal background. I really appreciate plain English when you're writing anything. It is it is communication, right? So don't be formal or too legalistic. Uh, this is for the nons, the non-designers, the non-engineers. It is a communication tool. So what does that look like? It looks kind of oh, like this. wow. You see wow. that? That's, that's a, I, yeah, they etched oof, it into the, Okay.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look at that first one. Like, use AWS. Now, in the beginning of my career when I would write a PRD, it would be something like... We will evaluate uh, leading cloud services in order to term determine, determine the optimal strategy for blah, 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 using this framework. And then you could also just go, because you already have a giant AWS client and you're gonna use AWS anyway, you can go use AWS. Must, you know, it needs to work on mobile, English and Spanish. You're not gonna present this necessarily, but boy, take the time and get it down to the absolute bare bones rather than trying to create a, a sort of legalistic contractual style framework because it doesn't matter. Nobody needs you to write a contract. You need to decide what you're going to do.
1: You could even argue people don't read them. When they get when they get that eight-page, seven-level oh. nested bullet document and
0: you know, as we'll see in the next slide, they just start they just start adding their own concerns without even paying too much attention to what's up there.
1: So, you've got a document and you share it. You did the share button and now there are all these little bubbles up in Google Docs with all the little heads. And sometimes you can feel the people inside the document. You see cursors and things are moving around and uh, they're coming at you with all kinds of stuff. That's okay. You made this point earlier in the context of a meeting. Listen to everything. Not a lot. For others, being heard is almost as important as getting what you want. Hear people out. They want to know that they've gotten their, their two cents in. So it is important to hear people out. But then here's where this North Star really becomes valuable, right? It, it, you can start to test the pushback that you're getting and the way people are expanding. Most people don't really appreciate what is involved to get a thing done uh, and they'll just ask for the thing, right? So wield
0: that North Star. But we do need to say no, Paul. A lot. Well, that's what that's about, right? Like it's people are going to come in and they're going to actively try to manipulate you to get the thing they want. It's not bad or good. It's just they want. They need to get their thing for their team. And so you have to learn to say no. But saying no is very dangerous. So what's this guy saying, Rich?
1: He's saying if you do it that way, the whole thing will be under threat.
0: Oh, well, that's good. Because <laughs> that's like, oh, my God, I, I would love to help you, but you you could blow up the whole world. So don't.
1: You know what doesn't work, Paul? Telling people that's an okay idea, but not great. Oh, yeah. That doesn't work.
0: (laughs) No, all ideas. All ideas are great. All ideas are wonderful. What works is associating
1: an ask with potential failure. Failure is incredibly persuasive. Avoiding failure is incredibly persuasive. This is a tricky one. This one's hard to pull off because nobody believes you.
0: No, this phase three is a dangerous world. This phase three doesn't
1: it, exist for a lot
0: of people. No. Right. That's always it's always sad in the project as it's going along. And you're like, oh, no, that'll be released, two, And then release three shows up before release one is even out. That's when you're just lying. But it's OK. Keep it, it, going. it
1: is it is it is a tactic. Now, here's you know, this is re- sometimes you just say no. Look, you've been given a mandate, right? You've been told take us forward and you've actually been empowered. And you've been empowered, but there's this weird paradox because all of a sudden you've got all these customers
0: telling you that their needs are the most important, but you've been empowered, you have been empowered. 90% of people can't say no, it's very hard. And that's how they get you. So one of the moves that really works well, as you are, you know, notice we haven't written a line of code. Somebody says like, hey, I need this thing to actually, I need a live bird to come out of my iPad. When I, when I use this app. And you're like, don't go, that's terrible. You could never do that. Only a, a like, you, you'd have to be broken in some way to even ask that question. No matter how ridiculous it is, run to the whiteboard. That's always my advice. Run to the whiteboard and go, how are we going to get you a live bird to fly out of your iPad? And then you scribble and you don't go like, no, that's really dumb after a minute. You actually start to plan it out and you go, the problem is that Apple doesn't support live birds. So that is really going to be tricky for us. We'd have to spend billions and billions of dollars changing physical reality in order to have live birds. I'd love to get it for you, but we can't do it. And they go, well, boy, but you really tried hard to get me my thing. Right? Yeah, and that I, is, that's key. You're engaging, you're yeah. having a
1: conversation. You're not just flipping people off and saying, sorry, next time.
0: Always believe before you say no. It's one of the great skills.
1: All right, so the doc is ready, now we're working. This is sort of peering into some of the future live events that we're gonna have, but it's one worth sharing here. Surface early and often, do not disappear. It is one of the most dangerous things you can do to your effort because when there is quiet and silence and dead air, they fill it with anxiety and doubt. That is inevitable. So over-communicate, gather people. The more the better and share progress. Show the work as it evolves. Early designs, wireframes, prototypes. Listen to the outsiders, right? Keep listening, even though the ship's kind of sailed. You've already built the stairs in the house. You're not going to move them from the east side of the house to the west, but keep listening and tell them what they can expect next. Set expectations going forward. So surfacing early and often
0: is hugely valuable as an effort is happening. No, but while we're talking, we asked in the poll, have you ever worked on a project that didn't ship? 80% said yes, 10% said no, 10% said sort of. That's something. So listen, hey, if that's true, you can reach us at hello at postlight. <laughs> well, no, I mean, th- that's <laughs> why we're trying to do this, right? Like we actually did set an ethos when we started the firm, like literally week one, we're like, what, what are we going to do? We're always going to ship. And for I, I would say we have. Like I, there are no projects that didn't, even if they limped, they got there. And <laughs> that's
1: a sad moment, right? When you're like, you know what? Enough bleeding, kill it, <sighs> right?
0: That is a, a moment. You felt it. I felt it. We actually worked on a project before we started Post Light that, that got the big axe. And it's it's heartbreaking. The community's gone. The, the work disappears. It's, it's awful. It's not how human beings should spend their time.
1: But to recap, Paul, let's take turns, even though we didn't rehearse this.
0: All right. when well, you Establish go Establish
1: your North Star. Reduce the mission behind what you're doing down to a sentence and communicate it a lot.
0: Do the cheap, great stuff first, with the focus on getting things in front, of, in front of people. Don't try to solve the world's problems or build the big platform so everything will go faster later, even though that might in some ways be the right way to do things. Make sure that you're getting good, optically sound artifacts into the world so that people know that they can stop thinking about you and you're actually doing the work.
1: Write simply, it's communication. The same For the same reason you want to reduce down your North Star mission statement to something that everyone can echo and, and, and digest quickly. Write clearly, communicate clearly, uh, and let that drive things.
0: And yeah, finally, avoid death by a thousand opinions, which doesn't mean ignoring or not seeking opinions. It's very important to keep both going at once. You're always oh, it does. It people.
1: does sound like we're telling people to ignore.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Go, keep getting the opinions. Look, they're valuable. They're the most valuable if the individuals in play are your actual end users, right? Now, that's where a thousand opinions are worth, you know, worth a million dollars. Um, there's a lot of other people who want, we're going to want to integrate your system into their world for arbitrary reasons having to do with legacy. Those you just need to capture and, and really care about deeply, but maybe you're not. Maybe they're not the highest priority. But again, like this is official permission from Postlight to. Listen, write it down, and then move on.
1: You touched on this a bit in your earlier point, do the cheap, great stuff first. I mean, show up a lot, engage a lot, give people updates on progress. When you don't update, it's usually anxiety inducing and people start doubting what's going on. What's going on over there, right? Because they just see the meter running. They just see money getting spent, right? Without seeing output. And software is hard, right? It takes time, but there's always artifacts that you can show early
0: and often. Don't just wait. Don't just wait also for like that meeting two months from now with the big boss, you know, start start floating things around so that they've all in a perfect world. They've already heard it's going well before the meeting. Yes, that's right. So take these tips, take them onward. Now we're going to
1: take questions. I'm going to try to figure out how to use Zoom to see if there are
0: questions. Now, we don't have any questions yet, but we did have a remarkable comment from uh, a Schmidt. Hi, Pat. At least the robot isn't, an overly feminized, uh, isn't overly feminized. Soldiers in Afghanistan used to say, we haven't been here for X years. We've been here for one year X times. Seems like a similar point to what happens when people show up later. That's right. It's the eternal recurrence. Every project is always, always starting. All right. So here we have a first question. I'm going to read it, Richard, and then you... You responded, I'll jump in. And we're, we won't say names unless you tell us the name, tell us you want uh, us to say your name out loud. When you move away from the legacy product, what is better, upgrade bits piece by piece or build a version two from scratch with core features and slowly port over functionality over time?
1: That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience, I've seen that if you can get people to start to fall in love with the new thing, even though it does a little bit, only a small set of the functionality of the legacy platform, what happens is they start to become advocates for it, right? So you're sort of like saying, hey, come play over here. You know that one task that's so annoying, we solve that first. And we want you to just use this tool because it's going to eliminate hours of your time. It's going to be so much easier. And what happens is People are like, okay, give me more, keep going, right? And now you've effectively recruited a silent army to gain momentum there.
0: I got to say too, there is when when people have been using legacy, whatever, and it's sort of 2006 era interface, and you show up with something using a modern widget toolkit that looks like it was created in the last couple of years, they just go bananas. They're like, oh, we could live like this. You know, you look at those old interfaces and they look like episodes of hoarders, right? Like you're just like, ah, oh, and you show them this nice organized kind of Ikea style app. And almost everything is forgivable after that.
1: Yep, yeah, that's right.
0: Got another question. So you start with the great fast stuff. Your velocity is high, Rich. You're running efficient. One week sprints, not two weeks, one week. Then the team wants to move to two week sprints to reduce overhead. overhead. You do it. And your velocity goes down because you're now working on the harder stuff. What to do? I mean, I think what to do here means like, you know, how do I keep my, my sort of public profile up when I'm working on really harder problems that are kind of boring? You know, that are not, let's say, not boring to my team, but maybe not that interesting to the, the eventual consumers of this product.
1: Yeah, what I'm hearing is this person's worried about drag, right? Like we were going good, and and I guess I what I would ask back to the to to this person or anyone who's in this situation is why are you changing your process? You're doing good. You're releasing stuff often, but here's the thing: if you release stuff often and you've built and you've banked goodwill, and people are feeling good about you, you now have the confidence of the population to say, uh, guys. You can see what we're capable of now. We're going to hold up for a bit because the next bit is a little trickier. So we need more time. It's, it's essentially it's like a currency, right? As you get that goodwill, you can then say, I'll see you in a couple of months because we're going to do the like one of the most like we're going to do search now. So we need time. Give us a minute. And people are like, yes, of course, do do your thing. We have other questions.
0: Well, I would say there's one that's brutal, uh, which is mainly joking here. But, Paul, when are you going to finish your book? Oh, that's a great question, Paul. <laughs> the good news is that we've recently uh, Postlight, as it's grown, it has gotten a structure whereby Rich and I don't have to spend quite as much time on the day-to-day operations. So in theory, I could sit down and start working on it any time. But uh, that, I'm just in, I'm in pain now, now now that we've said that.
1: I have um, to tell you, the editor of Paul's publisher um, <sighs> works in the area and there's few there are a few things more awkward than running into him randomly around Postlight, <laughs> It's happened like numerous times and it's a pretty funny thing.
0: I mean, the good news for people who don't know, I'm about five years late on a book and Postlight was kind of my, my, the ultimate way to procrastinate. I'm like, I can't write about technology without starting a technology company. <laughs> and, uh, and so now that we've done it and it's working pretty well, um, and actually, you know, we should pause here for one second. Uh, if there's any more questions, hit them, or, or we'll we'll wind up pretty soon. But we are definitely hiring. We're growing. We're it's it's an awkward thing to say in a pandemic, but we are uh, we're seeing a lot of opportunity in front of us. And in particular, designers and engineers, product managers, but especially design engineering. If you hit the website and hit careers, uh, we'd love to talk to you. Just wanted to get that out there before before I forget. That is it. Anybody got anything else? Oh, here, this is actually a great one. You've mentioned your loose contract a few times. Would you be willing to share a version of it? Wow. Um, this is yeah, deep. This is a deep absolutely. cut. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, email, uh, email us uh, asking for a template. Actually, that's an interesting request.
0: Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, there's really, there, we wouldn't mind other people using it. The critical thing, I would this I say this a lot, but if you ever start a business, do it with a lawyer because all the things that you think about the law that you're afraid of or, like, I'm going to get sued or I'm going to blah, 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 or, like, we have to get everything buttoned down in a contract. If you actually have a lawyer sitting to your left, which is what I do when I'm at Postlight, I sort of joke and refer to Rich as counsel, but counsel tends to go, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, counsel doesn't care. Counsel's like, yeah, we have to do a good job or we won't. They won't pay us, so we should do a good job. Like it's it's actually much more meat and potatoes and simple. Oh, we got a few more questions, so let's let's keep going with our questions. And also, by the way, I, we we see that you are answering the poll about the webinar. We are totally glad to hear feedback about this about how it could be more productive looks like we're, we're going to be at home until a, a little bit into 2021 so we'll do we're, gonna, we're doing more of these and we'd love we'd actually love and welcome the feedback hello at postlight.com is a good way to reach us if you want to go beyond the poll so uh what are some patterns that you see across industries that you think Don't think others see. That's a light little question. That's an easy one to answer. You see anything, Rich? I have a few ideas. I
1: just find humans screw up consistently across industries and societies and cultures and languages. It's It's it's, universal. It's kind of universal. You know, uh, the friction often isn't around the technology. It's often around the people. You know, that's that I, I'm overgeneralizing here, but I, I think people don't pay enough attention to the sort of the social aspects of of delivering something great uh, and, and the work that has to be put in. It's kind got, of a cop out answer, but uh, no, no,
0: it's all good. I've got four trends that I'll throw out because I'm going to thought leave this. One, low code, incredibly simple interfaces for building relatively complex applications. Things like Airtable on the consumer side, databases as APIs on the on the more sort of enterprise side. I think you're going to see a world in which like SAP creates the, you know, systems for really easily building whole new pieces of software. That's one. I think that climate is becoming a, a huge source of inbound for... Consulting and technology services firms. I'm seeing more climate inbound overall. Uh, people want to talk about different things they can do around geo data and around sort of optimizing their their sort of larger platforms. And a couple others. We have a few more questions, so we won't have time. But there's a there's a few other things that I think are definitely evolving. It's a, it's still a very dynamic space. How do you measure feedback when you're building something on the back end and the mission is sort of are these five teams using your thing happy? <laughs> this is great. This is life. This is, whoo you, you live with them. You go, you, ha- you have to have friends on all five teams. Yeah. I think, is there anything else? I mean, that's it, right? Like you just.
1: There's a few more uh, questions. Should we answer them real quick? We'll, we'll answer
0: them quick. Thanks for the live event. Great stuff. Absolutely. Praise is so exciting. Don't you love a little praise? Um, can you talk a bit about the challenges of doing the bigger transformations for clients in the current crisis? So, yeah, digital transformation in a pandemic. The, the
1: single biggest challenge we've, we've found is uh, not being there. Physically. A lot of our stakeholders, the people that have sort of asked us to partner with them to do something big, are dealing with their own challenges internally in an organization that is distracted, that is um, distributed. And one of the things I like to do as a partner, uh, and by partner, I mean client partner, is to go there and meet people and and say right. pull me into meetings. I we I've been in situations where people you know will preview a deck with me uh, before so they much of their... work
0: is actually informal, right? It, it's the, the tricky thing about the pandemic is it has reduced a lot of work to a formal system of interactions where things are scheduled, you talk and so on and. In some ways, that's been really interesting. I think it's it's gotten more people connected to, to more parts of the organization in some ways, but ultimately, that kind of ambient connectivity was work, and it wasn't quantified. It was just taken for granted, and so they're they're struggling through it as well like they're dealing with the same set of challenges and they're not able to they're having trouble building their stuff what is happening is they're coming to firms like ours and saying okay we're here we are going to have to do these three or four digital things let's go so right now i think there's a sense of everybody biting the bullet doing this and then probably about a year from now we'll know what this really meant in terms of organizational change but frankly everybody has, has hit a point of like not no one knows what's coming, right? We're just sort of like figuring it out as we go. Another one, do these ideas translate culturally to the foreign office? And I think that's, you know, so in terms of our foreign office in Beirut, I think really well, like we have a good, there's, it's through constant communication. right? Like, But if you think about foreign-based clients, you know, it's been interesting because I think everyone in the U.S. has been incredibly distracted and, and worried about the pandemic and the federal government in the election, right? So it's it feels like when we talk to people internationally, they're less focused on that because it's not their government. And, and they're sort of finding, and also they're not as locked down. a lot of people.
1: As Depending on where you are on the earth, yeah, that's true.
0: Last question. Got two more and then we're done. We'll do the second one first and then uh, we'll do anonymous attendee. How do you listen to the client but shepherd them away from their bad ideas that you know will lead to the failure of a project? They keep pushing and bringing it up again even after you tell them it might not be the best thing for the project. Make them feel heard, but do what's best for them, especially when they think they know better, even though they hired you for the project. I'm going to tell you, I'm not quite sure what Richard's going to say. Being a for-hire agency gives us a tremendous advantage here compared to an internal delivery organization. Because when the client asks for something like that and it's out of scope and they're going to not hit the goal and you know it, you can say... You're out of scope. You're not going to hit the goal. It's going to cost you more money and I won't be able to guarantee success. And then you're probably going to fire me. So I don't want to do it for you. And you can look them in the eye and say that because you are a vendor, you can have that relation. You can have that conversation because you're actually vulnerable. You're not saying no. You're saying, oof, if we do that, our relationship's going to break.
1: Yeah, this goes back to the point in the deck around saying, look, if you do this, you you might fail. Nobody wants to fail. Like, as ambitious and aggressive as people are, we've turned away a lot of business where they came to us and then gave us constraints, whether it be time or people or money and said, I want this and I wanna spend this much and I want it in three months. And we would just look at look them in the eye and say, that's not possible. And if anyone tells you it is, because you're not gonna go with us because we just told you it's not possible. If anyone told you it is, they're gonna take you down a bad path, right? And that is incredibly effective to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Most people hire us to get promoted, right? And so,
0: or to build, or to build their business because they want to thrive in some other way. I mean, you you call an agency because you need to get to the next step in your career, whether it's your business or it's your inside of a larger org. The last question is a great one to close on. What resources do you all follow for additional learning? You know, what's funny is there is no like product managers monthly. There's no, there's nothing like that. So it's a lot of like what the client is thinking about. And it's a, it's a lot of, for me, it's a lot of puzzling out the bigger world. So what is happening? happened? Like someone came, someone we're talking to has a lot of business where that is related to the office of the chief risk officer in their consulting practice. And so it's just like, now I have to go learn what a chief risk officer is. And then you start to go and you see that there are multiple standards for enterprise chief risk management officering produced by, you know, industry trade groups. And so it's actually a lot of the things that I end up going and learning are just what ridiculousness the giant corporate world has gotten up to in order to define basic processes and understanding that because ultimately we're going to have to build something that works inside of that world. And it's the same if it's finance or an NGO or, you know, case management for healthcare, care, like all, all of those things, you just have to go into their world of, ridiculous standardization that's where most of my reading
1: happens what you're saying is go and understand their world and feel their pain and learn about what they worry about right and learn about what their anxieties are and that's a, that's a big part of this and you don't hear that kind of talk when it comes to like oh this is going to help your software succeed it's just no. it's not your typical uh, software stuff right you
0: know what i love is when you hit the wikipedia page for the discipline and you see that like five different warring groups have tried to. Like uh, <laughs> risk management, actually, if you go, it's like clear that the enterprise risk management people versus the ISO risk management people, they're at war. They have been wrestling with this. That sounds team.
1: incredibly riveting. I gotta tell you, that sounds just so <laughs> damn exciting.
0: I, I know, I don't talk about this very much. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited just to have an opportunity to say it out loud.
1: This was a lot of fun, Paul. I like talking to you. We don't talk to each other enough all day you know, long, it's, so it's, it's really good great to, to that talk extra. to you.
0: It's usually only six hours a day, and we got a whole seven, so that's pretty exciting. (laughs) Um, You've been a great audience, and we really appreciate the feedback. We welcome all the feedback that you'd want to leave us Like I said, we're going to do more of these, and even once we're back in the office, we'll do more of them. It's nice to connect more broadly. So, But yeah, anything anybody needs, we're always here. We really are. We like to hear, and thank you for
1: coming to our webinar. We're going to do more of them. Reach out, hello at postlight.com. Check out the podcast. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Stay safe. Take care. We'll
0: see you in the office when we can, and we'll see you back here soon. Thank you.